right. We'll just get back to the conversation we were already having. But um, I wanted to uh, introduce everybody to Krista Gordon, owner and founder of Tranquil Little One. Uh, but before we get into the business, how are you guys uh, adjusting to COVID and the new realities at home? I wanted to ask since, you know, I talked to Jeff uh, yeah. your, your husband, for all the listeners to check it out, they both own businesses and we're going to dig into that today. But I talked to Jeff, his episode came out a couple of weeks ago, but we, we talked about like six weeks ago, like literally the week before lockdown, the Friday right. before lockdown, I think it, it was. was. So, um, how are you guys doing? We are doing. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, that's the consensus. It's been right? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting is the only word I can say because I feel like every day is different mm -hmm. and with both of us juggling our businesses and the kids home. So we have a seven-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son, one who is in, so our seven-year-old is in the public school system. Our mm -hmm. five-year-old is in a private preschool. Mm -hmm. um, so homeschooling has been interesting because yes. they're at different levels. Yes, yes, yes. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And just juggling schedules. So I feel like we haven't really been able to find a schedule that works. No, no, not yet. I agree. Neither, neither no. have we. What? Um, Even after six weeks. No, no, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. We still, we still like lose track of certain obligations, which you'd think it would be so much easier than in the regular time because, um, we have so many fewer obligations, you know, Correct. all the kids activities and classes are canceled. A few of them have resumed uh, through Zoom and online, like they have jujitsu classes on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. But we can't even I'm embarrassed to say we can't even make all of those religiously because like the day just changes and morphs and then something else is happening at that time. And it's it's it, there's no real reason, but it's happening. So here we are. It is <laughs> happening. It is. Yeah. Sometimes as we slow down, it's harder to fit things in. Yeah. It I, has been for me. I, I fully am guilty of that and I'm, I'm not proud of it, but my, um, well, everything like I, I, I'm a routine kind of person, even though I'm not built that way, I've programmed myself that way over the sure. years. And, um, it, it's not, it hasn't all died. I haven't let it go, but it's really not where it should be. And I know that. And I, you know, there's no excuse. There's just, it just is, but I'm not like, for instance, I, I, part of, part of my routine is meditation. And so we'll talk about that. And I do yeah. it. I do it not, not crazy. I'm not like a, I'm not even good at it, but I do like 20 minutes a day every day. And I, that's a lot. I that's good. I'm not Give doing it some though. Credit there. I'm not yeah. doing it though. I'm doing like 15 minutes, three or four days a week. And it's terrible. But I'm, that's I, more than some do, well, and it's still good for your brain. I, yeah, see, that's the thing. Maybe everyone doesn't even need it. I do, <laughs> and I need more than I'm doing. So I need to. I just need to get back to some, some rigidity. Um, what is there anything good that you guys have noticed in this whole in this whole experience? Yeah. So one thing I've noticed that has been amazing for me is how smart my kiddos are nice and how resilient my kids are uh you know at the ages that they're at they're at school or daycare during the week more than their home mm -hmm. and you hear what the teachers say and you know you get the reports and the good and the bad sometimes right. but i am so shocked at some of the things that my kids know that's awesome it's, it's been amazing um, you know, my five-year-old son, not in kindergarten yet, mm -hmm. we sat down the other day and I printed out some worksheets and they were at kindergarten level. And I was like, eh, we'll just give it a shot. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Why not? And he looks at me and he goes, mom, five plus five is 10. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And then he looks down and four plus four is eight. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know this already, you know, and that, just, those moments are awesome. Yeah. That's been really cool. And, um, you know, we've been working a lot on social emotional aspects mm -hmm. while we're home. I feel like my kids academically learn well. It's more the social emotional piece that's difficult for both of them. Mm -hmm. And so we've been working a little bit on that too. And, you know, even just hearing my daughter say something like, oh, you know, I made this mistake and it's like, okay. And then she's like, oh, I, I know how to fix it. I know exactly what to do. Nice. And it's like, oh. That resilience to me is so cool to see. Yeah, it's fun to watch too, because at the ages your kids are at, as you watch them sort of become the little people, 
you're, yeah. you're, you're kind of, you're watching, I mean, you're watching their nature and them, but you're watching your own parenting, you're watching your own work, True. your own dedication, and you're watching it all, all come to life in a little package. And it's so, mine, mine are a little older, mine are eight and 10. So they're not, not that much older, but it's fun right. to watch with each phase and each, like my 10 year old, he's, when we've, he, we hear him talking to his friends on, um, Facebook has a messenger for kids app where they yes. can video chat and chat and all that. So we got all, all the boys and all their friends all connected with uh, all their friends so they can stay in touch and hearing him, um, not, not like eavesdrop or anything, but hearing him, if he's in the next room or if he's sitting on the couch next to us, he's talking like a little teenager but, and, yeah. and, it, and he's talking in ways that we never hear him talk. You know, it's, it's, it's just weird. He's like a, he's like a more grown up version of himself, the way, the way he presents himself to his friends or it, it's, so, yeah. it's so weird to see. I actually, I had this conversation with one of my friends not too long ago that children, they interact so much in play when they're at school, yeah. right? They're interacting and it's very hands-on. It's very physically interactive on the playground, even in what they do in their classrooms. Mm -hmm. And that aspect of their friendships have been taken away. And the art of conversation of actually just speaking to each other is a skill that's being forced to be built right now. Yeah. And I think it's going to prove very beneficial. Probably is. And my eight-year-old doesn't have those skills. He, he more my like starts, doesn't. he starts making monkey noises and doing insane <laughs> stuff on the video. And, and all, so do his friends. They're all just kind of going insane because they can see each other and they don't really know what it is or what to make of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they, but at, I say that, but then once he calms down a little bit, you hear him say, so how are you? What are you guys doing? You know, and they, right. st they start to talk, which I think you're right. That's, that's another unintended benefit of the whole staying at home and being sectioned off on um, really crazy moment we had last night speaking of it as you bring up the not not knowing what your kids know we're sitting on the couch and and both of the kids were playing games because they had earned that time and so they're playing games and my youngest asks what does a number mean when it's aa i was like i don't know those are letters i don't know what you're talking about and, <laughs> and my oldest goes, my oldest goes oh aa uh designates that it's a quadrillion i was like what and my, my wife looks at me like, huh? So we, we look it up and yeah, it is. AA in mathematics is a quadrillion. It's like, how, how do you even know what a quadrillion is? I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, so it's one of those moments where oh, he's going to be smarter than I am. I have no idea what he's talking about. He's 10. I would not have known either. No. I would, and the whole new math. So this is forcing mom and dad now to learn new math. Yep. Yep. Because now and, you have to. You could escape it right. when they were in school, but now you have to. I would always say, oh, you could just ask your teacher tomorrow. Mommy's not so sure. <laughs> but now I'm, you know, YouTubing, I'm looking it up. So it's forcing us to learn new skills too. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing. I was going to say for a positive note, one thing I've really, one thing that's really hit home for me is uh, how busy we were and that I'm not really all that excited about being that busy again. So everything we were doing was elective and because we like it, it was all good. And I'm going to go back. We're going to go back to most of it, but maybe we'll plan different. I don't know. Cause the, the biggest thing that's hit me just on a personal level is my wife and I are always around. We're at all the practices. We're, we're always, we're those, we're those kinds of parents where we do everything we can to try to be there. And we're lucky enough that we can, cause we have flexibility, but, and it's a real, but, but we're always like, all right, grab your stuff. We're off to the next thing. All right, grab your stuff. We're, we're running late. We, we had next thing. And for a month and a half now, we haven't been late to anything and we're not going anywhere and we're not moving on to the next thing. And there's been more just, just legit quiet play or talking or, you know, I have sleepovers with the kids. I slept over in their like bunkhouse last night. It's just, oh. it's just stuff. You know what I mean? It is stuff with, yeah. with no, there's no what's next, which is, yes, there's, there's opportunity to pause. Yeah. And it's pretty nice it, it's for me because it's just not my nature to pause. And it it's, I don't know, feels good. I don't, I'm not yeah. sure I want to get rid of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for those who do thrive in the routine and the busy, I know this time is really, really hard. And, you know, my kids, ten, well, I shouldn't say kids. One of my kids thrives in that much more than the other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've, we've gone through, I would almost call it a grieving process of that, that pace of life is just changed. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is changed too. I mean, no, none of us know and we'll find out, but I think it's changed. Sure. I, um, I, I really feel bad for people 
who maybe live alone and live yeah. in the city, you know, where you can't go out. Like we can go hike in the woods and do right. some stuff that you're not supposed to do, but we take steps and we'll walk off the trail if there's other people coming and we'll stay, we'll stay 20 feet away, forget six. Um, yeah, we've done the same. But um, that's nice. And there's four of us and we get to play and we get to be together. And, and luckily we all like each other, which is another bonus. But I mean, imagine living alone or with a roommate you hate and, and living in the city where you just can't go anywhere. You, you can't right. go outside. What, yeah. I, that, those are the people I feel like it must be, I have some, some internal like guilt about enjoying part of this where I know I'm not supposed to because it's really horrible for others. And it really is. I'm not making light of that. So I have that weird, that weird, it's almost like a survivor's remorse thing, like the guilt, yeah. you know, that where I feel guilty for enjoying it, but I, there are, there are aspects of it I'm enjoying. Yeah. We have some family that, you know, they're older and they're in assisted living complexes mm -hmm. or, you know, more of a nursing home facility, rehab facility. And this has been very hard for them. Definitely. And my, my, very hard. my wife's grandmother turns a hundred uh, this month. Wow. And yeah. So she can't have a party. We can't visit, you know, nothing. I mean, we're not, not even allowed in the facility. It's, she also right. lives in it. So where I think we're going to go, um, we're going to go and stand outside her window and like, yeah. you know, sing and wave, but that's, that'll be the best that we can do, but that's a big deal. That's a hundred. I mean, you can't make an exception. I'm not saying that we should, I don't want to get her sick, right. but anyone at risk, I'm like uh, no, no point am I saying oh, stupid rules. We need to get in there and say, no, not saying that, but I'm just saying it's, there are aspects of it that are, that are unfortunate, you know? And then, but yeah. those are the things that make me a feel happy about the things that are good but feel guilty about feeling happy about it. That's well, the, it's that's a way of, part. it's a way of grounding yourself in all of it too. Right. I mean, looking at both sides of the story is beneficial yeah. and there's a lesson there for your kiddos too, right? It provides you the opportunity to have that type of conversation with them and for them to see both sides of the story. Yeah. I think that's a very valuable parenting tool. And is to be able to talk to your kids about all of it. Oh, huge, huge. Being able to talk to your kids is a, is a big thing because it's not, it, you're not always talking to them about good things, like happy things, right. you know, sometimes you have to have real talks and uh, not, I don't know, that, those are uncomfortable moments. Some people just avoid those, but. Well, even this whole COVID just period talking yep, to a yep. child, let alone both of my kids have anxiety mm -hmm. and sensory processing issues. So for them, the idea of this virus, just the idea of it, not the reality of it, the mm -hmm. idea of it in and of itself was something that we really had to work through. So do they, do they sort of hyper-focus and start to spin yeah. out of control, worrying about what ifs and what, what yeah. how does it, how does the anxiety manifest? So <clears throat> they are very big thinkers. Um, they perceive the world much older than their actual age. Mm. It's just how both of their brain works. And what happens is then it all spirals. So it becomes this big tornado inside mm -hmm. of them. Um, the older my daughter has gotten, she is now able to ask those questions. It does take some time. We have to kind of organize her brain and get her to a point where she can find her words again. Mm -hmm. She tends in the fight, flight, or freeze. She's a freezer. Mm. And um, when she was younger, it was very scary. It was literally almost like she wasn't home mm. when it would happen. Mm. Um, but that started at around three and now she's at seven and she's worked really hard with some wonderful therapists to get her to where she is now. But she asks a lot of questions. Yeah, I know that feeling. Well, you're giving yeah. her some tools too. I mean, we're going sure. to get into that and that's great because you'll probably help her deal with understanding internalizing and, and controlling those issues a lot earlier than most most you know kids or developing humans get to i mean i was always anxiety i mean i still am if it goes untouched but i take a lot of steps to control it and it makes a difference i mean it's, it's literally gone from my life as long as i'm doing all the things i need to be doing like exercise mm -hmm. and, and meditation mm -hmm. and all that stuff and it it's it's i mean it's pretty miraculous how good it feels to not be that way to not lay, lay down in bed at night and just have your thoughts go until morning. And you know, it, it, it can, it can be pretty ugly. Okay. And, and, but there's tools and it, and it is a thing that can be dealt with, but it's, it's the thing you have to deal with. You have to look at right. it in the face and then deal with it. So that's awesome right. that you're helping her, you know, at such a young age, I wish, I wish that, I wish that was even a thing when I was a kid. Same. 
yeah. came in. My, yeah. my parents actually say that to me all the time. Cause I'll, you know, I'll start talking and I'll just be doing my thing and saying the things I say. And my mother will go, when you were her age, we didn't even know. Yeah. We didn't know that you perceive the world one way and you express in a different way or, you know, all these systems, you know, being a kid's yoga instructor and the things I've learned, there's not just five senses. There's so many more and all these things. And I'll say something and my mother will go, how do you even know that? Yeah. You know, and it's like, it, it took a lot of work and it was a big journey, but this is where we are now. Mm-hmm. And these, you know, this is how I parent and this is where my passion is. Yeah. So a lot, a lot has changed. Uh, not, not just in the diagnosing or managing and th- of things like uh, anxiety and ADD, but I mean, everything about life from where our parents were like, you know, it used to be, that there was a, the food pyramid and you're supposed to feed your kid 40% okay. grains or whatever it was, you know, and that's, yeah. it's just, all, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. Yeah. And and now we know that and now we have science to back it up where it's, it's, it's so funny how the, the ups and the downs of what was normal that just not normal anymore. Very um, true. But I, since we're on the note of the anxiety and the tools, let's, let's get into your business. The, um, sure. the tranquil little one. So tell me, let's tell everybody what it is. How did, what, sure. is, what is your business all about? So it's a holistic wellness business that really focuses on kiddos um, and also assisting parents as well. So there's kind of three main facets to the business. One is yoga, which I teach now virtually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've stepped out of the studio and schools and now I'm offering them via Zoom. But, um, you know, it starts as young as six weeks where I do caregiver and baby yoga classes. And those are really wonderful classes, which allow mom, dad, Mimi, whoever, um, to have some one-on-one connection time with their babies. Yep. And then going all the way up through, you know, for me, I kind of stop at about fifth grade because I really do feel there is so much you can teach a kiddo at that younger stage. Mm-hmm. The more they practice and the more they do, the more it will just carry forward in life. So I really do love to focus on the younger ages. Nice. Nice. Tell me before we go on to the next phase, what, what have the zoom classes been like? So when you're teaching yoga over zoom, it's like I mentioned earlier, my kids have their jujitsu over zoom uh, and it's awesome. It's something, but it's certainly not what class is. How is it translated for you? Yeah. So I had to do a big shift. A lot of the yoga practice that I do with kiddos in school or in class surrounded around community and sharing and props and Mm -hmm. taking turn and imagination and all of those things. So the props were removed Mm -hmm. unless there's something that everybody has at home. Um, You know, there's not as much taking turn, although some of the ways I've adapted the activities or the games each person has a turn to be the leader or the person who chooses. So Mm -hmm. they do have to kind of find the pause when it's not their turn, which is a big part of being in a social group. Huge. So it's something that I like to do in all of my classes. Huge. Very difficult for Um, kids at that age too. It is. Yeah. And you know, I found teaching parents right at the very beginning, if the student was going to be returning and taking multiple classes, that there's a way to hide their camera. Mm -hmm. So the child doesn't see themselves. Mm-hmm. That that has proved very beneficial because a lot of my kiddos that take class, they have anxiety as well. And they're using yoga as a way to help them. And seeing themselves on video was anxiety producing. Mm. And so I wanted to educate around that. And I heard great feedback about that. So um, I'm happy that I had that forethought you yeah. know, and, and actually said to parents, hey, you can actually let your kid not see themselves. <laughs> so that's worked really well, you know, and it's just a different level of, of teaching. Mm-hmm. I can't physically go over and say to the, to the child, Oh, you're having some trouble with that pose. Do you mind if I help you? Right. You can't correct the posture. You can't. Yeah, I can't, but it's forced me to actually use my language more, mm-hmm. which has been interesting. Do you have to allow some more slack in getting everything right because you're simply not going to be able to get them to perfect the poses. But if I'm, if I'm not crazy, it's probably more important that they're trying than, than than getting it than getting it right. Right. It's better to, better to do it and do it. Okay. Than to not do it at all. Yeah. And at the younger ages, the technique of the pose really isn't the main goal. 
it's more getting them involved and getting them listening. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially the mindfulness piece of yoga. I look at mindfulness as, you know, creatively engaging the child to be present. Mm -hmm. So I am not going to ask a five-year-old to sit on their yoga mat and meditate for 12, 14, 15 minutes. It's not going to happen. Three won't work. Three three minutes won't work. I can get about three at the very end of class. Once I've brought their energy up and down, they've, you know, gotten all of what I call their wiggles out Mm -hmm. and their body feels center and organized and calm. I can get about three minutes, but getting the children to actively think about nothing else, but my yoga class for 45 minutes virtually has been an amazing win for a lot of families. That's huge. It's probably an amazing win for you too, because you've, I'm sure you've had to, as we were just talking about, adjust the way that you run classes. And I I bet that there's lessons you can take back into the home when this is all over that you've taken away from this, just being a better uh, presenter or captivator, you know, just being, being better at using the words to maybe, maybe that leads to larger classes. Maybe. And maybe some classes will always be virtual because I've had people practice with me now that could never make it into a studio. Mm, that's huge. That's huge. And that's, um, it's so true. That's, um, we'll, we'll talk off the air too later, but the, uh, something I, that I'm working on that I want to be able to bring to all kids. And there's, you know, when you have structure, a class and a place, only a few can make it by definition, you know? So, Correct. so that, yeah, that's cool. You can actually expand by figuring out how to do this and do it well. And that way you can add, let more families have the opportunity. That's pretty great. Yeah. I mean, my, my two little nieces have been able to take my preschool class and they never would have been able to do that because they're always at their preschool, which isn't close. Yeah. That's awesome. And that is great. Yeah. Now, so now you can kind of open up to the world. Yeah. It's, it's been a really cool experience. All right. So I interrupted you on the first oh, phase, okay. which was yoga. What, how, what else do we go into? Yeah. So I'm also a Reiki practitioner and, um, I, I have always loved to have Reiki done on me. And for those who don't know Reiki, it's basically taking the universe's energy and the practitioner channels that positive healing energy and gives it to the person who is asking to receive it. And then the person receiving it will use it however they feel they need it to promote healing. So Mm -hmm. I am not actually healing anybody. I am just providing that person with extra energy Mm -hmm. so that they can take it and use it however they can mm-hmm. um and have, one of the things people that question you on that because it's very woo woo sounding so how do you deal um, with that um so when it's a parent questioning me i always offer them the opportunity to experience it themselves mm. yeah nothing speaks like the action right yes yep and um when my daughter's anxiety was getting to the point that bedtime was a three four hour process i went on the search for more mm-hmm. and i found reiki and I became a Reiki practitioner oh, well, for so my you, daughter. So you discovered it on your path to helping your kids. Correct. That's cool. So it's not even yeah. something you brought in to the house, like as in before you were a mom. It's something that nope. you've taken on to fix a specific problem and you've seen good results. I've seen amazing results. We, Wonderful. My daughter will ask. My daughter has become so aware of where her energy is and what is wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> that she'll say, mommy, I know I, it's time. Can we please, can we please do some Reiki? That's interesting. Um, yeah. And I've, you know, I'm able to do it as a distance practice as well. So if you gave me permission to practice Reiki on you, mm-hmm. I would be able to do it from my home to yours. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways my clients have utilized this for their kiddos is um, to assist with bedtime. Mm. Helping them take their energy down. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, Reiki, I know nothing about. I'm, yoga, I, I'm into, and mindfulness, I think, is a superpower that people don't even understand. It, at least, you know, in the way that it helps me and I think helps anyone that does it actively. But Reiki, I don't know anything about. And it all sounds very woo woo to people who aren't into it. And it's a really easy thing to roll your eyes at. And, Mm -hmm. but I also, uh, 100% believe in energy. And I don't think you need to be woo-woo to look at that. If you think about meeting uh, an amazing person or somebody with a, you know, a, a personality that makes you really want to know that person or not want to know that person, you know, that's, that's an energy and it's being transferred back and forth. You're feeling it and you're, you're changing the way that you perceive things based on it. So it's not, to me, it's not far-fetched. I just don't sure. understand anything about Reiki. So I, that's right. why I was hoping to, I, I was excited to talk today and learn a little bit more about it. 
Yeah, the master who actually um, attuned me, so that's the kind of technical word for becoming a practitioner, she uses an analogy that I love, and it's basically a lamp that has a plug. And so, you know, the universe is the lamp, mm-hmm. right? It's That's the, the light bulb, that's the energy. And, you know, you plug in the lamp, mm-hmm. I'm basically the plug. So the energy is coming out through the lamp, and I'm the plug, and I'm pushing that energy towards the person receiving. Mm. Um, and I think that that's a great way to explain it to people. And, you know, if somebody isn't going to be a believer, they may not feel it. Sure. Sure. Because there's a mental block there. Yeah. But that's the but same it, with mindfulness too. They could, absolutely. they could, they could meditate an hour a day for, you know, five months. But if the, the whole time they're doing it, they're thinking about how it's not going to work and they're not in it, then it's not going to work. Simple. Right. Right. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, oh, so much of my business is, is because of my kiddos and my big journey of really trying to help them as best I could. But I, my Reiki journey was a lot of that had to do with my daughter. That's really great roots for a business too, because not only are you a believer, but there's a passion connected to it as opposed to just like finding an opportunity and servicing it, you know? So, which is nothing wrong with that either, but it's nice to have a passion connected to it. It's, it's, um, it's helpful fuel for when the bad times come because they always do, you know, there's there's ups and downs. Yeah. Uh, Ups and downs. I mean, um, ups and downs is a good way to put it too, though. (laughs) (laughs) It works, right? Yeah. So the Reiki stuff and then what's the last? Yeah. So I also um, fell into essential oils and it's been something that has changed my life. Um, It's changed my daughter's life. My son is just starting to appreciate them for what they're worth. And again, I know there's a lot of people out there that are big essential oil naysayers, but I've seen firsthand how it's changed my health Mm -hmm. and i've seen firsthand how the ability for a child to say you know i'm sad right so first i'm sad they need to be able to identify their emotion i'm sad and then for them to say i think i'm gonna go smell my my orange oil because i know that always makes me feel better Mm. right Mm. so which anything citrus is going to be uplifting just in how it, you know, lights up your brain once Mm -hmm. you smell it. Um, but that's one part of the process with essential oils too, is there's a coping skill that can happen there. Um, I need more energy. I'm feeling a little sluggish today. Mm -hmm. And I would say, go smell your peppermint oil. Right. So I've taught my kiddos that there are ways to assist their emotions through just smelling an oil, not even putting it on their body. Um, which there, there are ways to do that as well and to have it be a topical thing that we do. But um, I find that the sense of smell can be such a beneficial sense to utilize for kids. Well, step outside of that for a minute, because I have no knowledge on that other than, you know, realtors bake cookies for a reason. You know, that, that when the <laughs> house smells true. a certain way, it affects your mood. But it, just stepping outside whether or not, the oils and the scent of them have any powers. It's a centering mechanism where the kid knows they can go sniff the orange uh, oil. Yep. It doesn't really matter if it's orange or what it is. Well, maybe it does. That's not what I'm saying. But the point is they can go do that. It centers them and it allows them to correct their head, wherever their head was, because it gives them something else to put their energy into for a minute and sort of get 100%. things right. And that, that, regardless of whether or not oils have an effect, that works. That's having yep. a center that they believe in that they can just go and release their thoughts to that. That's good. That works. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, the idea behind working with families to potentially use all three of mm-hmm. these holistic ways of, of, you know, just assisting their kids. It's worked in my home. It's changed my home in a beneficial way. And I just felt like there were a, potentially a lot of other families out there that were looking for more. I'm sure there are being traditionally offered to them. And so I have one friend who is a business coach and one day she came over to me and she said, you're giving away everything for free. You keep telling all these people, all these things that you know, that you've spent years learning. You have this skill, you have this craft 
She's like, there are people out there that need you, but you got to stop giving it away. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a really, it was like a big aha moment for me. And then I was like, no, people wouldn't pay for this. And then I was like, wait a minute, I would pay for this. (laughs) I would have paid for this. You know, um, and in working with the families that I worked with too, I've learned so many different coping skills just in parenting Mm -hmm. my kids for who they are and for meeting them where they are. And so that's been something that I had just started doing before this isolation stay at home had happened where I was really working one-on-one with families and saying, well, why don't you try this? Yeah. Which now, is, um, it's, I mean, it's incredibly, it's gotta be incredibly helpful to families that at least don't know where to go next or what to do sure. to, to get that center or that focus. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's really, really like awesome that your business stemmed from your own journey with your kids and looking for solutions to real problems. And basically you found some, Mm-hmm. battle tested them and then put that mm-hmm. into a way you could help other families and move her forward. And I think that's, it's just really cool. Cause that's like a calling as opposed to like we were saying, as opposed to just having a skill or, a, you know, something right. you can do, which is fine too, but it's sure. to have that ability to help people and watch them grow. It's got to feel pretty good. And especially, uh, you know, I lean in, in just in talking to you, I lean mostly on the yoga and the mindfulness only because that's what I know. That's the stuff that mm-hmm. I really understand. But I know the I know the transformative effect that it can have. And I think mm-hmm. like we've done mindfulness work with our kids when they were younger and they would have exactly what you're describing. You know, a tough time. They'd get mad or upset or whatever it was. And they couldn't put into words what it was. But they were clearly boiling over or whatever. We would give them exercises on calming themselves down with uh, with meditation basically. And it was helpful. You know, I can't get them to sit down and do 10 minutes of meditation, nothing like that, but they can, they can enter a guided meditation that'll go for 10 minutes and they're not going to be, they're not going to be centered in it, but it's still going to bring them back to a, to a normal state. And it, and it proved helpful, proved to the helpful to the point where they would know if it was time to go do it. Yeah. I mean, self-awareness is a huge, huge benefit. Mm-hmm. If we could teach every child to be self-aware, what do you think that would mean for a whole generation of adults? Everything. I think it's yeah. it's self-awareness and then self-confidence and compassion because compassion comes from confidence, right? If you're always afraid yeah. you're going to get hurt, you can't be that compassionate. But if you're uh, both physically and mentally, if you're strong enough to not be always worried about what's going to happen to you, then there's a lot more you can put out. And that that, yep. that doesn't come easily, but it but it's there. Um, and I think exactly what you're saying. That's, you have a whole different world if those, the, those are all the people. I mean, we, we yeah. see it, we see it playing out right now where there's people in power that do not have any of those skills <laughs> and there we can see the results of it. Yeah. It's just, I think about, I think about kids on a playground and you always have the kids that are being the natural born leaders and you always have the kids that are the followers and, mm-hmm. and that's a part of life. There's nothing wrong and with you, that. Nope. But what if you had the kid that was always the helper? Mm -hmm. What if you had the kid that was confident enough to know that they could go over to that kiddo that was having a hard time and to help them get through it. Yep. And I know there's a lot of people that may hear that and say, no, that's an adult's job. No, 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 no. That's an individual's job. That's a person's job and children are people. Yeah. And I just feel like if, if that's a skill that you can teach a child to be able to see a kid having a hard time and be like, you know what? I think I might know what could help them. Mm -hmm. I just, that's a world that I want my children to have for sure. And my daughter is that child. My daughter is the one that will go and will help another kid. Sometimes it doesn't end in a good result. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, she puts herself in a spot that she shouldn't be in. And so then we have a whole nother conversation that we have to have, but I love when my daughter can help another child. And I also love when it's through a skill that I taught her or yeah. one of her therapists taught oh, yeah. her. Yeah, what feels better than that? That's amazing. Yeah. We Our kids are similar and I've, we've been teaching them that since they could speak. You know, we're adamant about not only not bullying, but helping others. And if you see bullying happening, then you interfere with it and you stop mm-hmm. the bullying. You know, you're, the bullies are the are, are not the thing to worry about. You can stop the bully easy. It's stopping the 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 problems that make bullying happen and the problem that they lead to for the other kids. Mm -hmm. And 
my kids are, uh, I'm just so I'm proud that they've, they've connected with that. And I've seen on numerous occasions, the kids interfere with bullying and, and do something about it. I've seen them not be bullies in instances where other kids are and just sort of, you know, when they're feeling out social situations, not like a, uh, not like a bully that's doing it all the time, but the way just kids that, you know, jog, jockey for power in certain situations. But I've also, like you said, when sometimes they inject themselves into the situation and it, it might not go right from somebody who sees it. Like my kid, my oldest got in trouble for yelling at a girl, but he yelled at that girl because she was making fun of a special needs student. And the teacher who yelled at my son and got him in trouble didn't see the whole thing go down. But my wife works in the school and she heard the story from some other adults on what Abel actually intervened into and why he was yelling at that other girl. So he came home and he was not in trouble despite getting in trouble in school, right? And Mm -hmm. so they also know that, going back to part of that confidence, my kids know that if they do the right thing and they get in trouble, they're not going to be in trouble when they get home. It's, right. you know, I, I, I've always told them if, if a bully was ever picking on them and they have to react to the bully and the principal calls me, it's the principal who's in trouble. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's such, it's such a huge concept though, you know, and I guess it's one of the, I don't know, maybe some people could say that again, I'm pushing an adult issue down to a kid, but to learn when it's okay. Mm -hmm. And when it's not okay, it it does make it a little hard, especially if you have a child that is not a black and white thinker, right? Well, nothing's black and white. I mean, life is hard. And I think teaching the kids to make those decisions, some of them, sometimes they're going to make the wrong one and then they're going to have to face that. But those are all lessons. And those are all things that take that child forward where the child who didn't have to make similar choices is going to be behind in their development on how to be independent and how to make those choices. I'll never forget the day my daughter was trying to describe disappointment to me. She said she was young. I think she was in kindergarten. She had a tough transition into kindergarten. It wasn't easy for her. Mm -hmm. And she came home one day and she said, mom, I just, I sat there and I just, I knew I was supposed to be doing something and I just couldn't get my mind to do it. And my body, my body didn't want to do it. And then I just, I ended up not, not getting the star in my paper. And then I was sad, but it wasn't really sad. And it was like this whole story. And I said, Caitlin, what you're feeling is disappointment. And she's like, but I don't like it. You know, and it was like, (laughs) and it's like, yeah, nobody likes to feel disappointed, but it's a real feeling and it's going to happen more than once in your life. Yeah. What you just described, I still go through. I still do. (laughs) Of course we do. I mean, I feel disappointed on days that I can't go to my yoga studio and teach. Mm -hmm. And instead I'm on Zoom, right? I mean, right now, a lot of people are feeling disappointment. It's a real thing. And children need to learn those emotions. And they need to learn what to do with them, just like being mad. Or bored. They need to learn how to be bored. Yeah. But, you know, we say all the time, it's okay to be mad. It's what you do with the mad that's different. Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, so you're mad you're going to you be. be it's mad. an emotion. You can be mad and stamp your feet. Guess what? There's a lot of benefit in stamping your feet. And I've had some parents say, oh, if my kid stamps away from me, that's disrespectful. My answer to that is no, it's not. That's a healthy coping skill. They just put energy input into their body. They stamped. They let their body get that energy out. They didn't hurt anybody. And they were able to be mad. Mm-hmm. You know, and... That's a part of learning who you are and learning how to handle those big emotions. And so I don't know, it's a different way to look at it, but I tend to think if you teach a child how an emotion feels in their body and then what to do with it. Yeah. If it's movement, mindfulness, breathing, smell an essential oil, stamp it out, jump up and down, scream at the top of your lungs, but not at anybody, mm-hmm. right? Those are all healthy ways of dealing with emotions. And that's kind of everything I want families to know. I think that's that's great. And I think that's an important thing for you to tell families. I think that's a really, really important lesson that probably most people don't have or internalize. That's, you know, because any show of anger is like not only should the child not be doing that, it's disrespectful, or I don't want to face that, 
did I do something wrong? My child's angry and I don't know how to control it. Do I, am I supposed to control it? You know, I think there's a lot of parenting doubt, self-doubt mm-hmm. in those moments that also you react emotionally because right. you don't really know how to handle the situation or how to deescalate right. it. I'm guilty of it. Sure. We all are. Even the most mindful parents are guilty of it. I mean, being a mindful parent is a lot of effort. Yeah. You know, it'd be staying present in that moment and not letting your own emotions get in the mix and, you know, all, all the things as I call them. Yeah, it's very hard. You know, especially in the heightened sense that we're in right now, you know, where you're all home all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of all. (laughs) It sure is. You know, and so there's a lot of, you know, I try to think sometimes about, if I've asked my child five times to go brush their teeth and they're still not going to brush their teeth, Mm -hmm. if my voice gets louder, that doesn't mean they're going to hear me. Mm -hmm. So how can I get them to brush their teeth? And for me, for kids, it always goes back to play. So I'm going to make it a twofold challenge. Although in the yoga world, you're not really supposed to use the word challenge, but in the kid world, it really gets their attention. So you know, what's the, what's the most creative way you can get to the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, what animal can you walk like to the bathroom? Bathroom, You know, making it a trick almost mm. to get them to move closer to where you want them to be, yeah. right? Or do you want to do a wheelbarrow to the bathroom? That would be so much fun. You know, turning it into something other than go brush your teeth. Yeah. And then once I get them to the bathroom, I say, you know what would be really silly? can you brush your teeth and put one finger on your nose the entire time you do it and never take your finger off your nose or, you know, just something that is so not even remotely anything they would think to do on their own. Yeah. They're going to brush their teeth. I'll try it because for us, for us, we definitely get louder and that's what ends up working is the loud. I'm not saying it's a good way to get it to work, but it's the only sometimes because my kids, I'm going to try it, but my kids, they love to play like all kids. But if I were to make a game, like what animal can you walk like to the bathroom? That game's going to go an hour before they touch a tooth and they're going to evolve on it. They're going to start wrestling as those animals. It's going to, wow. my kids are insane. And, uh, but I'm going to try it because I don't like the mel- the yelling option. My wife doesn't like it either, but yeah. we always end up there, you know? Yeah. And so I'm going to try it and I'll see, I'll let you know well, how it goes. You could set a timer with it too. And you could say, I'm going to give you two minutes to be whatever animal you want. But when that timer goes off, time to go in the bathroom and put one finger in your ear while you brush your teeth and balance on one foot. I don't know because they're older. They could do that for younger kids. I wouldn't recommend balancing on one foot while they brush their teeth. Yeah. What they like um, to do is get their toothbrush, come back out and engage in conversation. That's what they like to do while they're brushing their teeth. Yeah. So that no teeth get brushed whatsoever. And then they have to start all over again after mom and dad, like we'll start, we'll start answering their questions too. It's like, we're in a different space. And then wait, wait a minute, brush your teeth. What are you doing? Right. No, our, in our house, it's chewing on your toothbrush is not brushing. Right. It's not. It's not. That doesn't count. The well, we dentist had to do, would not approve. We had to make one of them start buying his own toothbrushes. Then he, then he, then he suddenly stopped chewing on his toothbrush. Yeah. Now that is something I would not have thought of. <laughs> it worked. That's a good one. It worked. That is a good one. So when we're not in the COVID lockdown, you um, now have Zoom classes, but you also, <laughs> you also like you bring the services to yoga studios and schools and mm-hmm. home, right? Correct. So that's, yes. those are all really different things. Let's talk about yep. the, let's talk about the school. How, what's that work like? Sure. So for the school, it's typically, um, you know, I'll highlight the one, there's one Montessori school that I've been working with for a while now. And I go in every week and I teach their toddler class. And, um, you know, most people would say a toddler class, what do you do in a yoga toddler class? And it's, it is a lot of, you know, animal influenced or, Mm -hmm. you know, theme influenced movements and, um, you know, mindful movement present, getting them in the present. So, you know, it's in a gym like space and Mm -hmm. it's 11 toddlers and two teachers and it's 45 minutes filled with fun. Yeah. It sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what it's, no, it's okay. I didn't mean to talk over you. How how do you get, I mean, it's toddlers, so it's probably a different answer than it would be like third or fourth graders, but how do you, how do you get them to focus all at the same time to do, you know, to act like an elephant or a giraffe or whatever the pose they might be doing? How do do you, 
How do you trick them? Pure silliness. Yeah. Silliness does work with kids. That's a good answer. Kiddos love when an adult acts like what they don't think an adult will act like. Yeah. You know, um, and also creating an environment that is competitive free and is things they know will happen every week. They know that I'm going to start that class with the same song where we wake up our body mm-hmm. and then we go through four or five of the same movements. Then we do our breathing then we hop like a frog. Then we walk like a bear. Like they know it's all about to happen. So that consistency and routine is yeah. key. And then there's that play in the middle where I use different props. And again, this is at the toddler age. It would be different for our older kids. But, you know, if it's the shaker regs or if it's balls or if it's tunnels, you know, they know that that time is coming. Mm-hmm. And then they know that we end class the same way, too. So I would say that it's very rare that I have 100% of them doing 100% of class sure. at any given moment. But what was really cool is there was a student of mine that joined my toddler preschool class via Zoom, and I would see her light up. Her whole face would light up when I would do something that I had done at her school. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Putting her back in the place. Yeah. Yeah. And just even if it was something that she didn't do at school, she knew it. Because there's so much learning that happens just by watching and listening. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, is this, as you move forward and the business grows, is the school one of the ideal ways to get it done because of that repeatability? Like even at a studio, it's whoever shows up for class, right? So it's, it's the school seems like there'd be a certain ideal aspect to that, where you can inject that repeat, even with older kids, injecting the repeatability, injecting the knowing what they're going to do, but then doing it. Cause that's really everything in any skill you want to build. It's, consistency in doing it it's the practice that that matters and having those teachers those teachers present during the session too Mm -hmm. has been really amazing because they'll see what helps certain students or what students gravitate to and i actually have had that conversation where they're like oh we reminded them that they could do this breath or you know we let them get up and shake their sillies out and then sit back down, you know, things that we did in class that they saw were successful. They can then utilize in class at time that I'm not there. Yeah. And this, uh, when you're doing the in studio, we can go back to the school and talk more. We can go anywhere we want, but um, the, the studio one, how does that work? Is it something that the studio promotes the, the child based Mm -hmm. class and then people sign up? So, you know, who's because you go to different schools, right? I mean, different studios. Yeah. So yeah, before all of this, I was in four or five studios um, and each, you know, each had different offerings based off of what they knew their population was. So, you know, at one place I did just baby and tots. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any of the older um, because I could do it on a morning where they didn't have adult yoga classes, but they knew their community and their population. And there was a lot of young families in their town. So I would really work with that studio to see what they felt would bring people to the studio. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it was different in every place. And usually it would be that they were registering with the studio and then I would, you know, receive payment almost like a contractor. Yeah. Base. Well, sure. Yeah. And it allows you to go to multiple towns and multiple locations, mm-hmm. accessing a lot of people because, um, do you have goals of opening your own school or is it more beneficial to be in multiple towns? So I don't know. I mean, my husband and I have always joked that it would be wonderful to find like an old barn somewhere that I could have my studio space downstairs and mm-hmm. he could have his office studio space, like up in the loft, yeah. you know, and ha- run his video production business out of there. We've joked about that. We've joked about, you know, becoming landlords and getting the commercial space and all of that. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's been hard enough just being a business owner. I don't know how much further I'm ready to go yet. Yeah. And it's, you know, it seems like with your niche that, and I don't know anything about what I'm talking about, but it seems <laughs> like with your niche, it might be, it might be better to have your foot in a number of communities than to have one place where people have to come to you because there yeah. are a lot more, it seems like it, you might be able to connect with more people you know, for the size of the classes and the amount of the kids that you could help because, Mm -hmm. because you're the harder you make it and one location makes it harder for parents. 
the harder you make it, the less people are going to do it or commit to right. it, or they'll come once or twice and then it falls apart. It's, it's like with any activity, you know, that mm-hmm. most of them fall apart and a couple of them keep going. So, it, and I could also be very wrong because there's also great yoga studios, karate studios. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great places that are in a location, mm-hmm. but I wonder with the, cause it seems like you're, from what you were saying today, it seems like the best case scenarios are the one-on-ones in home and the school with the, with the repeatability, right? So yeah, I'm the way I've taught in studios have always been session based. So it would be like a six or eight week session. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, to help promote that kind of coming back in and being able to practice. Yeah. So that I have found to be successful in the studio. Yeah, because the biggest the biggest mistake is to think of it as a one time thing, right? It's not Correct. a fix. It's not a thing you're going to benefit from from the one time. You need to bring it into your life. Yes, and try explaining that to a seven year old. <laughs> no, it's their parents that have to oh, understand. I just it. did that last week. I have to do that one again. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, no yes. kidding. Yes, and then again, <laughs> and then again, and then again, and then again. <laughs> You, um, you mentioned that, um, you learning things as a business owner and not knowing whether or not you want to have a dedicated studio and stuff. What, uh, what else have you learned? Cause you guys, they're both pretty recent businesses and you're both Correct. doing it kind of at the same time. Never mind this whole COVID, uh, you know, monkey wrench thrown into the mix, yep. but let's even say pre pre COVID. What are you, what are you learning? Especially as this is kind of a dual journey that it's different roads, but you're both right. on it, right? And you're yeah. both on different paths. So what are you, what are you learning? How is it impacting your life to be a business owner? Uh, good and bad. Yeah. So I'm learning how different the world is when you leave corporate America. Cause I worked in corporate America for a very long time. Um, and so dictating to myself what I'm going to do every day is a lot different than having a boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first started my business full time, I was way too hard on myself. I was looking for everything to happen really, really fast. Mm-hmm. I was getting really, really frustrated and very overwhelmed. And so it took a lot of self practice mm-hmm. to kind of sit back and say, I am doing all I can it's okay if it doesn't happen fast, right? Like I had to put a little bit of what I preach to all the kiddos yeah. right back on me. Um, so that, that was a big shift for me. And also I think just from a family standpoint, when I worked in corporate America, my day was done at four, but teaching in studios for kids, I have five o'clock classes. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, so getting into that dinner time where I wasn't home anymore, that was a big shift for the family. Yep. So having that conversation with my kids, like, it's okay if I'm not there, you know, like yeah. I'm teaching from five to six and then I'll be home and right. then we'll do our evening routine all the same. And, and you so, might've been there from three to four or from 11 to, you know, one, right. there's, there's, that's the thing that you can bring into your life is some flexibility where it doesn't have to yeah. be in a nine to five regimented, you know, area. Right. Yeah. And I had to remind myself that I didn't have to be teaching every day. Mm-hmm. Because when I first started this full time, my goal was to be teaching seven days a week. Yep. And then I realized I'm not old, but I'm not young. Mm -hmm. And teaching to kids is a big energy drainer, right? Because I'm I'm promoting the mood of the class. Mm -hmm. They're going to follow my lead. And so when I'm in a room of 11 toddlers, if I'm acting tired, they're not going to be engaged. Nope. And I didn't realize how draining that was going to be until I all of a sudden was teaching that much. And I was like, wow, 14 classes a week is a lot. I don't think I can sustain this. For sure. I I think everyone I've had on the podcast, uh, me included, one of the things that always comes up is that your plan can't stay your plan. You you need to make new plans and need to adjust because what, what you thought prior or even what like mine's mine's 19 years old and what i think every year has to be adjusted because every year is mm-hmm. different than what you plan for it that doesn't make planning not important but it makes right. your ability to realize that things have to change as you go based on right. reality becomes more important you know it's not about the business plan or it's not about my goal was seven if i don't make seven it's a failure maybe you learn yeah. and you readjust the goal 
and you readjust what, you know, what's going to work because seven might kill your business because your energy is right. low and you're not doing a good job and it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. So it's a matter of finding that balance. And I just, I went in full force and then realized I was kind of on a road to a disaster. And mm. so I had to step back and I had to be a little more strategic and I had to have one day where I wasn't in a studio or I wasn't in home or I wasn't in a school. And that was my day where I could actually sit and do my books mm -hmm. and not feel bad about the fact that I wasn't teaching. Like that was my office day, yep. you know, and, but I didn't get there right away. It took me a little bit of time. Yeah. And you're not even where you're going to be next year. I mean, it, the, no. the whole thing is a journey and the whole thing is adapting and changing and evolving. It doesn't matter right. what the business is. It that's, that's what happens. Right. Yeah. And even my home will evolve because by then I'll have two kids in public school, mm -hmm. you know, school ends at two fifty. Do I do after school program? Do I not? Do right. I, you know, do I pick them up right at the end of the day and not teach in the evening? Do I not? You know, it's like, who right. knows? Right. Or do who you knows? pick them up in the afternoon and then they're there until dad gets home and then you teach in the early evenings or, you know, it, right. it, it there's, it, it's, it's flexible. It depends what right. you want to do and what works for your family. So aside from your path adjusting and how many classes you can do on a weekly schedule, what, what else is it? Um, what else is changing in the home being that Jeff's got his business too. And so there's gotta be a lot of juggling because, yes. and I'm just guessing here, but when you own a business, you started to allude to this. It like, I own a business, right? So my work doesn't happen nine to five. I, right. I might get a frantic phone call or text at 6am. It might be 10pm. I decide whether or not I'll respond to it, but regardless of whether you respond to it, you're, you're, you're going to pay attention to it. You're going to be aware of yep. it and decide whether or not it has to be dealt with right now. And that sort of stuff it can sort of not exist with a nine to five. But at the same time, the nine to five locks you in and it shuts your day down where I can come home, you know, 12 to two if I want to and play. And then I can just work again when the kids go to sleep, if I have things to loose ends to finish up. So, I'll, I'll, but my wife for, so in all fairness, my wife stayed home for the first 10 years with the kids. She works now, but she, um, that gave us a tremendous amount of flexibility. Plus me owning the business. I had tremendous flexibility. So we were sure. really, really lucky. So I'm curious with two people starting businesses, what's that like in your house? It's gotta be fun, energetic, but a bit chaotic at times. Cause this has been a long way to wind up this question, but sometimes you have to have uh, colliding, um, yes colliding things to do. Right. So yes. what do you, how do you figure that stuff out? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, pre COVID we were lucky enough to have family and friends that could help, mm. you know? So on Tuesday nights was dance. I was in a studio. If Jeff had to work late, we would call Grammy and mm. Grammy would go pick up, you know, the one from preschool. So that was really beneficial <laughs> and helpful. And, um, you know, we have a shared calendar too. That kind of helps where if I know I need to connect to somebody, I'll look in the, the calendar and be like, Oh wait, I, you know, Jeff has a, an all day shoot that day or video shoot, or, you know, he's booked back to back. I, I can't do it on that day. So, you know, we've utilized that kind of technology to help us now in, in this type of environment, it's who's going to be working upstairs, who's going to have <laughs> the kids downstairs. And then when are we going to flip, flip, you know? Yep, so, yep. And that's when I say every day is different because I have different, you know, networking meetings. He has different meetings. He's working really hard to keep his business afloat. I bet. You know, in the video world, he can go do a shoot in an empty building for a realtor which is awesome. Yes. And he wears his mask and he can do it. And that's a great way for him to continue work. For me, my work is continuing over my computer. Right. You got to adapt. And, and so when I teach, I'm downstairs in our playroom turned into my yoga studio, even with my one-on-one -on -one clients. And that's where I am. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just juggling and teaching the kids to understand like when mommy's teaching, she's working. Yeah. 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 It's hard. When, for them, it's hard for them to get that and to grasp it, but, it but they will, they will like mine, get it now. You know, if dad's working, dad's working, if mom's working, mom's working. And I'm not saying that that works perfectly, but yeah. it usually only takes one or two guys. Uh, I can't talk right now. I gotta, I gotta, I'm working. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I think too, and again, I'm going to go into my whole like giving parenting tips here, but um, teaching them when daddy has his, um, earphones on because he has a big, you know, headset that he uses when he's editing videos. He's working. 
just little things like that that yep. they can, you know, they peek around the corner and they're like, oh, he still has them on, you know, yep. but giving them that visual clue. And the other thing that we've started to do, which has been helpful is building in a small amount of time in the morning and a small amount of time in the afternoon where it's all four of us together mm -hmm. doing something together without a screen. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's huge. Giving them that opportunity to connect and you know, my, my daughter is old enough to tell time. My son isn't, mm -hmm. but saying or saying to them, daddy's working until 11 o'clock. We can't bother him. Mm -hmm. right? We need, we need him to be able to have time to focus and concentrate. So, you know, my son will say, is daddy done with work yet? And my daughter will go, it's not 11 o'clock yet. You know? So again, just building in those cues have been helpful for the kids. Yeah. And also for Jeff and I to coordinate. Right. And that's become like a nightly thing where we open up the calendar. And we're like, okay, how are we going to get through tomorrow? Right. What's tomorrow bringing? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's crazy. Cause now with the kids having in, in our town, the kids have virtual classes with their teachers and, and with their classmates. And so it's, it's not just, and my wife's a teacher, so she has to teach virtually right. and, and be working on that sort of stuff. So not only is she working on homeschooling the kids and getting their curriculum through, but then she's coming up with, well, how is she going to teach uh, you know, outward to the students in her class. And she teaches in a special needs uh, classroom. So there's extra challenges where it's hard enough to get, uh, it's hard enough to get a kindergartner to engage on a zoom. Yeah. Now have that kindergartner have autism and it's right. even harder, you know, so they're trying to figure out how to do it and it's no, it's no easy task. So yeah, same thing as you guys is we have to figure out every day. Well, all right. So when do the kids have meetings? When do we have meetings? Who's going to be where in the house to avoid the most noise? You know, who can, right. who, who can have some background noise in it? And cause we don't, and we don't hope, have enough. Hope that you all have enough screens. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, four people potentially having something to do at the same time. I mean, that's a lot. Yep. Oh yeah. And, and with ours, mine are a little older than yours. So at this point it's four people are going to have to do right. something at the same time. Luckily we do have all the, we have the screens. Uh, cause look, well, with my business, we have a lot of screens anyway. So luckily yeah, I just bring go. them home. <laughs> a little perk, right? <laughs> yes. yes. There, there are perks, you know, there are perks. That's why I like having this show. There's good and there's good and there's bad. And then and, uh, for me, the, the good always outweighs the bad just because of the way I like to lead my life. But right. the, the exact way that I like to lead my life would be a bad for other people. Some people are better sure. off in a nine to five or a corporate job, but there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a, it depends on your aptitude and what's going to, what's going to, what, what lights you up, you know, what makes right. you feel good. It, it, that's right. why I like to have this, this show though, because I get to connect with a lot of other people. And the whole point of talking to you and to Jeff and to all these other people is everybody's journey is different. Everybody's problems come at different times with different, with different uh, aspects and everything's different, but there's a few things that are always the same in that nothing stays the way you plan it. It takes grit to get through. It's not yes. going to be easy, but there's also a lot of rewards to it. Like, like Perhaps. in time, you can control your time, whether or not you burn it all with work or you don't, but it's up to you. Yeah. You know, you, you make the decisions and those, those are, those are huge for me. And when I was younger, I, I was the workaholic that would, you know, spend all the time working. It's all I wanted to do. And it would just be, you know, I don't know, just going for it. And now, and for years now, I just, I just don't operate that way at all, but yeah. I've learned that so I can give a hundred percent when I'm working, but then when I'm not working, I'm not working. And right. it's been a, it's been a big, big shift because it's certainly not the way my DNA is programmed, but it's been something yeah. I've learned over time, really since having kids, since my first was born, I just didn't want to be that. So I wanted to do something different, which yeah, has been it's, nice. It's a constant journey. You know, and I, I'm working really hard on reframing my mind and not thinking too far ahead and doing the what ifs, mm -hmm. like, you know, when this is all said and done, what will my business look like? Mm -hmm. Because I don't know. And worrying about it isn't going to get me any closer. No, no. Worrying about what you know you're doing and what you, and right. how you can do it better. How you, that, so that's like, if, if I had a, if I had a real lesson over the, I mean, there's a lot, but if I was going to pull out a lesson over the 19 years in business, it's look again at your customers and are you doing everything you can do to make their experience with you the best? Are you, are you giving them stop wondering if it's in scope? Yeah, of course you have to. And, and like your business is a little bit different with scope, but you know, I have to make sure that it's managed and that we're going to be compensated for the time spent, but 
but not like an accountant, not, not to mm-hmm. the, not to the dime. If, if it's going to come down to a, who gets a little more, the customer does because, right. because you have to make it amazing or else they've got a lot of options. And right. if you, if you hold yourself to those standards, you will do better as a business because the people who feel that they're getting something above and beyond stay loyal and they stay good mm-hmm. customers. And it's like, that's a hard Very lesson true. to learn because at least when I was younger trying to, you know, grow, 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 it would always come down to, um, micromanaging that relationship uh, of trying to balance what we're getting paid and more than I should have now. when I look back, it should have been more about more about always pleasing, at least to the, to the point where you can, you know, the, sometimes my dad always taught me there's in clients, you have the good, the bad, and the ugly and the ugly you have to get rid of. (laughs) They just, they're not going to do anything for you. But the bad ones can still be good. You can turn them good. They can. Well, sometimes you learn from the bad ones. Definitely. And that's one you of know? the ways they can be good. Yes, you learn from them and you can yeah. adapt. Um, we're, we're already over an hour. So uh, do you have anything else that you want to talk? I know time flies. These, these conversations no. are awesome. Do you have anything else you want to touch on that I haven't asked about or, or walked us down no. here today? No, it's been wonderful to share. Where, I mean, this, is, this has been great. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's been fun for me too. I've enjoyed the conversation. Let's let's put a plug in it. We'll do another one when we can sit face to face and get Go some. Uh, but where can people find out about you? Where can they learn more about how to contact you and, and all that sort of stuff? Sure. So I do have a Facebook page. Um, it's under Tranquil Little One. My logo is a little rainbow bubble that has a child meditating in the middle of it. So that's my brand. Um, I also have my uh, website, which is www.tranquillittleone.com. And um, one thing that I've started to do throughout this time is every day I post a parent tip, mm. which is either a mindfulness resource and movement resource or um, kind of highlighting an activity that you could do with your child. And I try to make sure I'm doing a big age range there because mm. I have followers with kiddos all different ages. Um, and then if I'm I'm teaching any classes that will be posted on both my website and my Facebook page. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's where you can find me. I hope they do. Thanks for talking to me today. Hang no tight, hang tight for you. one second. Uh-huh.